This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, today I have James Parker. He has a new book out and just coming out this month, January of 2021, Infinity's Gateway. Very interesting book. It starts in 1945 in December. And yes, it does involve the Bermuda Triangle. Great to have you on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about this story. I will tell you first. Thank you for having me. I'm just sure. excited to be here. This story has been with me for a long time. I, I've uh, This has been in my head for a while. It, it's been there even, even before the first two books that I wrote. Uh, it's just, it's we finally got it down on paper and, and got it figured out. But it starts with, uh, as you say, in 45, uh, the war is over. Hitler's gone, but we're still doing training. And we did lose a squadron of bombers on a training mission, Flight 19. And the book, you know, touches on that. Uh, what's interesting is the United States at that time did the largest air and sea grid search we've ever done, at least up to that date. Wow. And nothing was ever found. And mm. it was a re- reporter in uh, South Florida who coined the term Bermuda Triangle. So that's, that's where the book opens. But then it comes to present time. That's right. And, and at, at that point, um, in the Pentagon, a chief of naval operations was called into the emergency rooms because our satellites have picked something up. And about 125, 130 miles off the coast of Florida, pretty much further out from Lauderdale, for 17 minutes, there was this enormous presence, if you will, sort of a black blob, if you will, that the energy readings were just off the charts. Nothing we have, nothing the Russians, the Chinese, uh, and then just went away. And they're called down there and they're scrambling to figure it out. They don't know if it's a weapon somebody is giving us advance notice on. Uh, We really have no idea, but we know we have to respond. And so we... uh, get a team together uh, on the ship Eclipse, and it is sent out to investigate, and that's where the story begins. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. And of course, they run into something they didn't expect. Yeah, in fact, they, uh, <laughs> they, send, they send, yeah, very, very much so. Um, they send a guy out there who typically is a black ops. I mean, he's, he's uh, naval intelligence, but usually goes on pretty violent missions, and he can't understand why he's on that ship. In fact, uh, at some point, they've been sailing around for a couple of weeks, and he's talking to the admiral, just kind of like, you know, other than, you know, I determined which one of my shipmates cheats at cards, there's really nothing to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, but then this thing reoccurs. And back at the Pentagon, um, the ship, the Eclipse, is nuclear, has nuclear power. And through heat signature, they literally watch that ship disappear. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And there hangs the tail, as, uh, as they say. Uh, exactly. This is the first of three books. So when you were putting this together, did you do like a rough sketch of the entire trilogy or, or did you kind of have an idea? I have the, I have the, I have the entire story in mind. Uh, it, it's kind of funny in the sense that um, we wanted to get a new publisher. The publishers I'd had were very good, very strong, but just we needed better, better distribution. And I was told that a bigger publisher would never touch me because they didn't own book one and two of the series I was writing. Ah. And so I was like, well, what do I do? And they said, well, do you have any other ideas? I said, well, as it turns out, I do. So I wrote a synopsis. I turned the synopsis in. They sent that off. And New York sent it back. But the nicest thing they could say is, well, he can write, but it's too complex to this, to that, and so forth. And they're like, Jim, what do you want us to do with this? So I took it, I gave it to my editor and said, what's wrong with this? And he just started laughing. He said, there's nothing wrong with it. He said, the problem is you've taken three books and tried to shove it into one. 
Ah. Slow it down. You've got a trilogy on your hands. And so there we are. Ah, there you go. Hey, that's great. And uh, as usual, uh, Hollywood is interested in this. Yeah, we've been very, very blessed there. Uh, we've had a producer already sign on to the project. Uh, it was so interesting when we first reached out to her, um, almost the first words out of her mouth is, I don't read books. If the guy's got a screenplay, send it over, but I do not read books. The individual who was helping me get there, you know, said, well, can you at least talk to him, give him some guidance? So we connected, we talked, and I guess the conversation went really, really well uh, because at the end, she asked for the book. Uh, came back, told me how much she liked it. And uh, what's going on now is they have me working on the adaptation of the book to the screenplay, but I'm getting a lot of help. I will write so many pages, I shoot it to them. They give their thoughts and shoot it back to me. Now, with anything like that, uh, it's probably going to change, I, I would say, it could be a little bit or more than a little bit because it is going to another medium. How does that sit with you? It's something I want to be involved in. I want to keep, you know, the, the truth of the story, if you will, in place. Yeah. I, I do know um, the book is much larger than the screenplay. The screenplay, I have okay. 120 pages to deal with. I think the formula is one minute per page. Um, and so there are things that we're cutting. But at the same time, there's also new scenes that we're creating to, for instance, introduce our hero sooner into the, into the plot mm -hmm. and to um, encapsulate several ideas into one scene. Mm -hmm. So we're having to take and, and remodel it. I, I was talking with, uh, with them last week and we were laughing uh, regarding Lord of the, or, uh, the trilogy for, by Tolkien. Yeah. And how if, if they had done everything that was in those books, we'd, we'd all still be sitting in the theater. Yeah, absolutely. But so, yeah, that's been a challenge for me, but it's also been a, a good learning uh, phase and in, in, in introducing me to a new type of writing. Cool. So, I mean, this you're on a Navy vessel. I, you have to probably do some research to kind of uh, indicate, you know, how the people talk on a ship, what procedures they use. It, you know, they're encountering something different, but there are certain procedures that we would use even today, and also maybe in 1945. The university I went to uh, had several different colleges and friends of mine there, uh, several went into the military. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and so I was fortunate that not only um, living where I live today, do we have some very large military bases and, and we have some, some friends uh, near us, uh, one's a retired colonel, literally across the street. Oh, that's uh, nice. But, yeah, but uh, did do, did do a, a significant amount of research and ran it by them just to say, okay, you know, don't, don't laugh out loud, but tell me where I went wrong here. Um, and, and they were a great help. Oh, that's good. What about, I guess there's some science involved too. Did you have to do any of that? You know, there's a significant amount of science. It's, it's, um, and yes, I had to do the research on that. I would, I would have the idea and then have to track down how I supported that idea. And what is incredible is when you do delve into something like this and you start doing the research, and you start finding things that are available to us today. Yeah. I, I had no idea. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was listening to an, an interview you did um, some time back. I guess not that long ago, but uh, the individual said the word was sci possible as opposed to sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that is so true. It yeah. is so true. It's just uh, where we're advancing, um, I guess, unless you are involved in that process, you're involved in the military or involved somehow with NASA, other things, um, we simply don't 
don't know all the yeah. time. Yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so your main character. Tell us a little bit more about it. Is he, is he the Black Ops guy or is there somebody else? The main character is the Black, uh, Black Ops guy. He, he is Navy, um, very loyal to the Navy, has had experience with the Chief of Naval Operations, the Admiral over, over that, uh, which is why he's called in. They've, um, they've worked together before. Uh, there's a history between the two of them and the Admiral trusted. And, and what the Admiral can't afford is for anything like this to leak right now. Sure. The, the media would just have a heyday. You know, here's the Navy out chasing the Bermuda Triangle. Um, it, would, it would just be a PR disaster. At the same time, while they're looking for a scientific explanation, what caused this anomaly, um, he wants him there in the event that this is a weapon. If this is a event, there is something aggressive. He needs someone there with the experience to handle it. Mm. And that's, that's how he was chosen. All right. Why don't we take a short break? We're talking to James Parker about Infinity's Gateway. On Sci-Fi Talk. We'll be right back. Back with James Parker. I'm Tony Tolato, and we're talking about his new novel out. And here we are, January 2021, Infinity's Gateway. Uh, as far as the writing process, are you a regimented writer, or do you kind of just go with the flow? I, I kind of have two things going for me. Um, one, I had a very, mo very motivating experience when I was back in high school, uh, it was a senior year that has really, um, really changed my way of thinking and looking at things. And so from a writing standpoint, when I started doing um, novels right off, it would typically be either on the weekends uh, of an evening or for the day job, uh, I traveled significantly. And I can't tell you how much has been written on airplanes. Oh, okay. <laughs> once there's wheels up, I can't be reached, so. You know, you also have some other books and, you you created a uh, kind of like uh, a, I guess a, a detective that kind of looks into the paranormal a little bit. And James, is it McBriden? Is that who that James, is? James McBriden. Uh, yeah, those were they're uh, mystery fiction um, with a very spooky edge to them. And uh, and Tony, this again, this goes back to that incident that happened uh, in high school where I just came face to face with it. You know, the character McBriden is a very meat and potatoes down to earth guy. Mm -hmm. who frankly, doesn't believe in that stuff. Mm. And so he comes face to face with it. So can you tell us more about your experience? Well, yeah, briefly. Um, my mom was a nurse and she worked in a nursing home in Covington, Kentucky, which is Northern Kentucky. right across Okay. And there were some, several large mansions there that were built prior to the civil war. They were part of the underground railroad. And when they hired her, they said, look, we don't want to tell you this place is haunted, but some people claim they see things. Some people claim they hear things. We just need to give you a heads up. Well, she came home and told us about that. We all died laughing, and that was it. Well, she traded night shift with a lady at one point who needed to have the time off. And it was a Friday night because I was at home. I was up late. I was a high school kid. Uh, my best friend was over, and we were watching Carson. <laughs> and uh, she called to say, hey, can you guys come over here? And we're like, what's going on? She goes, well, Jim, you know how we don't use the third floor. Third floor had five or six rooms on it, had an enclosed stairwell. And they said, we're hearing someone walk from one end of the floor to the other and come down the stairs. We're just waiting for that door to open. And I'm like, well, don't be silly. Call the police. She said, we have. They've been here twice. So Bob and I went over. And uh, I think, Tony, at this point in the story, it's important to know that Bob and I were two of the bigger cowards in Campbell County. <laughs> um, so we got over there and we uh, got up to the nurse's station on the second floor and we're just talking. And then we heard it. 
And if this was a mouse, uh, he was wearing boots. You didn't have to listen. You heard it. Wow. I said, I said, look, you've got somebody in here. They're messing with you. Call the cops. Well, the Covington police uh, returned, and this time they brought a canine unit. Huge shepherd, beautiful dog. They hung around, they hung around, and the one cop finally pulled me aside, and he goes, Jim, he goes, this is just a bunch of old ladies afraid of the dark. We're going to have to leave. And I knew, I just knew, the moment they left, whatever it was, would come back and kill us all. So they're getting ready to leave, and here came the footsteps. And they looked at me and said, wait there, like I was going to go with them. Yeah. And they walked down. One cop put his hand on the doorknob with his gun drawn. The other cop had the collar of the dog and the release catch. And they waited till it got to the very bottom of the stairs. And then they flung open the door and released the dog. Tony, that shepherd, put its tail between his legs and whined backing into the wall. Whoa. There was absolutely nothing standing there. Now, I've never been that scared in my life. Uh, it took those cops a couple seconds. The one regained his nerve, ran up the stairs. They could find nothing. And that's the night I learned the police officers carry business cards because they gave them to us. <laughs> you hear anything, you call, you ask for us, we will come. But Tony, we heard it like two or three more times that night and there was no point in calling them. Mm-hmm. because just. But that really altered the way I view things. We do not understand everything that's out there. We are not. I agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. And so that really influenced the first two novels where, again, the character McBriden, like those cops, very down to earth, very meat and potatoes, until you come face to face with it. Mm. So the first one from McBriden is The Dark Side of the Cross. And the next one is Relic of Darkness. Is that, are both of those out or is it just one of those right now? No, that's correct. Both are out. Um, you know, they can, if you go to the webpage, uh, all three novels are available there. Um, okay. And it's just, um, yeah, those, those two are out now. And I was actually writing the third when the opportunity came along for Infinity's Gateway. And so um, that's, um, that's been very exciting. We're, we're, we're really amped up about where this project's going. You know, one of the things that you can normally do when there's no pandemic is you can do book tours or at least signings. So I guess, are you doing like anything virtually or anything like that? You know, actually we are. Um, we're working with some stores here in Texas that are trying to set up virtual things. We're reaching out to all kinds of book clubs. Oh, nice. Uh, we're small that are now have already adapted to doing Zoom meetings and such. Um, so we are trying to get the um, get as much, much exposure on the book as we can. Uh, some of the larger chain bookstores right now are, are pretty much shut down on the idea of any kind of book signing, but the more independent bookstores and other areas, uh, we're getting some opportunity. How does it feel these days now where people can download books and take them on their phone or their you know, or their pad, uh, you know, their iPad, uh, and bring it with them as, you know, and still, I'm one of those kind of old-fashioned guys. I like the tactile experience of holding the book in my hand. So what's it like these days for you? Well, Tony, you're not alone. Uh, I'm a book guy. <laughs> um, I can't tell you the number of people I talked to. The, the ebook on this, on Infinity's Gateway, the ebook was actually released at the end of October. Yeah. And um, talked to a lot of friends, a lot of people, just, again, trying to get the word out. And so many of them said, well, I've pre-ordered, but I'm a book person. And um, I I just think how I feel about the mobile books and so forth is I think it's great. I think it's given uh, people another medium in which to get books. Yeah. They like that and prefer it. And we can get more people reading. um, Then I'm excited. Well, the upside of that is somebody could literally download all three of your books into their device and not have to carry three books around, too. 
Well, precisely. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people that take their iPad, their Kindle, whatever it is, to go on vacation. They can take eight books with them, but they're not lugging them around. Yeah, it's, um, it, has, it has made a lot of convenience. There are still the diehards like you and I who want the book in our hand. Um, but yeah, it's opened up a new medium. Yeah, it certainly beats trying to get the sand out of your book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can understand that, you know. Uh, and and I, know, I know some of the screens are much better where in the early days with the Kindles and the iPads, uh, you know, the sun would kind of, you know, make it, you have to tilt it around a little bit, but now that's not the case. So that's a, it's some good things. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really been a big boom to uh, to publishing and, like you know, and and independent publishing has uh, has really grown as a market. There's so much going on right now. We're we're seeing. I think my publisher is letting me know that book sales alone, you know, due to the pandemic, is up somewhere around 11. percent Oh sure. Um, and I you know, and it's just um, I can't say enough about reading. I grew up reading. Um, you know, my daughter didn't have a chance. She grew up in the children's section of Barnes and Noble. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember her as a child growing up literally with the Harry Potter series mm. and, and to see kids lined up to read books that were, you know, what, three, 400 pages. I mean, these, those are big books. Yeah. That was exciting. Cause I, whether it's fiction you're reading or whatever genre you enjoy, uh, it broadens your mind. It brought, and it gives a nice escape. The world has a lot of, a lot of challenging things going on right now. A lot of, a lot of issues that people are really struggling with. And I think if you could take a novel, be it Infinity's gateway um, and escape for a while, and go to an area where that hero is going to walk in places you would never go. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, it's exciting, and it, and it gives a nice release. When do you expect the second book of the trilogy to be out? We're working on, like I say, we're working on the screenplay. The goal there is to have that knocked out in three to four months, and I've already outlined book two. And when I say outlined, it just keeps me on track. Uh, sure. The, 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 end, the end product will look very different from the outline. But the outline keeps me in the sense of what I know what has to happen in this chapter, and I know what has to happen here. But as you go along, the story, the book almost takes on a life of its own. Yeah, that's so true. I remember talking to a uh, a producer of a TV show, and he explained it this way: We know we're going from New York to California, but you know, if there's a good detour. We're going to take it. We're still going to end up in California, but we're going to take a detour if something interesting comes along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's, that's, well, that's well stated because that's exactly how it works. Absolutely. That's great. All right. Infinity's Gateway. And, uh, you know, hey, it, it, if it's made into a movie before the second book is out or even during the second book or the third book, then people are going to – it's proven that movies – don't hurt book sales. They actually increase them. So that's pretty good. Well, not at all. And I think, you know, anyone who reads Infinity's Gateway um, and they're, they're waiting for the second one, the, the other two are available. And, and so um, I think it's, it's, Tony, I've written books that I personally like to read that are fast paced, strong story, good action. But yeah, I don't, I don't need that. There are some books that just put me to sleep and they have their own purpose, but not these. I mean, I think that's a great way to start. If it's something that's interesting to you, more than likely somebody else is going to be interested in it too. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it, there, there, there are stories and there are things. Um, you and I both enjoy science fiction. Yeah. Something we're passionate about. I mean, we can talk about that for a long time. Yes, yes. As yes, opposed we sure to, can. Yeah, Jim, what are your thoughts on butterflies? That would be a short conversation. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know much about them actually, and and I know there's a whole <laughs> bunch of species of them, but yeah, it's 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 different. All right, again, folks, it's Infinity's Gateway. Thank you so much, Mr. Parker, for being on the podcast and talking about your work. Tony, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So check out Infinity's Gateway. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Stay safe. And thank you for listening. Until next time, take care.